you want a little clip that makes everybody laugh and feel good. You know what I mean? Instead, it's like, ooh. But I'm really not funny. No, no. And we shouldn't have a podcast. What? <laughs> okay. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Back to Hawkeyes. I'm Harper. I'm Jonathan. And we're joined today by Barton Lewis, pianist, actor, and improviser. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming to join us and talk about Rich in Love, today's Ethan Hawk film. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing great here. <laughs> <laughs> Should we just take it again? No, that's okay. We're just we're just free. Yeah. All right. Yeah. This is what right. editing is for. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Happy to be here. Yeah. Um, um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your personal experience with Ethan Hawke? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Right. Like, well, all those years yeah. that he and I spent together uh-huh. uh, boarding up in the woods of Montana, hunting deer and uh, fishing for our lives. That's my experience with Ethan Hawke. Yeah, that's why no, we no. had you on the show. Yeah, right. No, no I, I don't have a personal experience with Ethan Hawke in that sense. But I do um, have a knowledge of his work from a very young age, obviously, the ones that are very popular that people know when they think of Ethan Hawke or young Ethan Hawke anyway, you know, Dead Poets Society, mm-hmm. Reality Bites, those movies. Um, but um, I, I, I began to become much more acutely aware of him uh, in a slightly roundabout way, although not really roundabout for somebody who sees a lot of movies. Um, I'm a fan of uh, Julie Delpy, the mm-hmm. French actress uh, and writer, um, who uh, was in three movies with Ethan Hawke, directed yeah. by Richard Linklater, the Before series. Yeah. Um, but I didn't see those when I was younger. I saw some of Julie Delpy's works, including Two Days in Paris with Adam Goldberg, oh, and right. then later Two Days in New York. I love Two Days in New York. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I actually never saw Two Days in Paris, but really? I saw Two Days in New York. And oh, that's really funny. Enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I recommend it. Yeah. But but because of that and being aware of her, then I caught. I can't remember when I, how old I was, but you know, on cable on one of those movie channels, HBO stars something. Uh, the one of the before movies, I think it was mm-hmm. the middle one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I got into those, and then 2014 rolled around, and, and uh, Boyhood came out, and right. that really rekindled my interest in um, the career of Ethan Hawke, uh, his acting, uh, and especially in that movie, seeing how not only he aged over the years, but how his sensibility matured. And, of course, that's the character. He's playing a character, but you can mm-hmm. sort of see him grow as an actor in the movie, which I find Definitely. very interesting. Yeah. I have more thoughts surrounding that, but, uh, you know, we're here to discuss 1992. 1992, Ethan Hawke. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, because we talked about this before on the show, which is that I feel like everyone has a different kind of entry point um, entry point for Ethan Hawke movies. Like, I feel like most people who have seen an, any amount of movies have seen some Ethan Hawke movies, and I think... Whereas some actors, like, there's usually one movie that everyone references. I think with Ethan Hawke, it's kind of like people have different entry points. And so it's interesting that you have, like, a few different ones, uh, different ages and stuff like that. Which makes sense because he has been acting for such a long time. For so long, yeah. Damn fine coffee. (laughs) Is it? Yes. That's good. 
Also, yeah. Kyle McLaughlin. Indeed, yes. Yes, yes. true. <laughs> yeah. I, I've got a lot to get to in that regard. I don't know how far we want to jump ahead right now, but yeah, um, well, I've got some theories. I've got some fan theories. Got some mm. fan theories. I've got some yeah. alternate universe theories involving rich and love, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, well, why don't we kick it off with like a little, uh, you a little know, brief a little description intro. of what the movie is about. Sure, yeah. Um, so it's about... Uh, Senior, a senior in high school, a girl played by Catherine Erb, or Irby, I think. Um, and she comes home one day to find that her mother has left a note saying that she needs to start a new life and leave her kids and, and her husband. Um, and it's kind of about the family in the aftermath of the mother leaving. Yeah. Um, which includes herself, her father, her uh, kind of neurotic sister and the sister's husband, fiance husband, husband. Yeah. Yeah. Does that sound about right to you guys? It does. Yeah. yeah. And it opens, the movie opens with her and Ethan Hawke walking together. And then it sort of sets you up to think that there might be a substantial amount of Ethan Hawke. It really no. does. Ethan Hawke has about 10 minutes of screen time yeah. in this movie. He has yeah. very little screen time. And I think this is, I, I don't know if this is getting ahead a little bit, but I think this is of the roles that we've seen so far, like chronologically. I think this is the one where he's the most explicitly unlikable yeah. character. I think that sounds I right. I think he's yeah. he. I mean, he's not like a a villain, but he's definitely not a great guy. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and you mentioned that cold open uh, where the the two of them were walking. It yeah. does seem like uh, he's going to be not the central character, but a central character. In fact, in the first few lines of dialogue, it's actually not clear which one of them we're going to be following in the movie. We may as well be in this movie. I found it interesting that at this point in Ethan Hawke's career, he would be in a movie where he has such a small role. You know, of course, you know, there are no small roles, but, you know, it's characters, you know, his character does play an integral part to the plot. Mm -hmm. But he had already, at this point, done several movies in which not only did he have larger parts but was the star yeah he had two or three starring roles by 1992 1993 yeah so the fact that he's in this movie at this point in his career um i'm a little confused quite frankly but you know that's that's hollywood yeah well i think that maybe this movie was supposed to be a big movie because it was by the people that made driving miss daisy and so i think that you know theoretically even if it was a small part like it could have been a part that a lot of people saw him in yes this could have been like a big smash ensemble movie and that's what it seems like it's going to be and there's a lot of elements in it that give it wide ranging appeal or you know hopeful Mm wide-ranging appeal but it didn't seem to but it didn't quite make it to driving miss daisy levels of success yeah because i was reading the uh the box office versus budget and it was uh 18 million budget 2 million box office yeah not a smash success so we we should say then that that specifically this had the same screenwriter um as mm-hmm. Driving Miss Daisy. Yeah. Is his name uh, Bruce Beresford? Yes. Is that oh, correct? Oh, that's the director. director. Sorry, I'm sorry, that's the director. Same, same director. director and writer, though. The writer is uh, Alfred Uri. Alfred Uri. Uri, yeah, who so I think also. That's right. So the two of them made yeah. Uh, yeah, Driving Miss Daisy. And th- th- this very much seems a movie in the tradition of the Southern Gothic, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, family movie like driving miss daisy like especially and perhaps more in fried green tomatoes mm-hmm. uh i've not seen that one yeah, yeah. um movie. so so 
the the visual and dialogue vocabulary of this movie is familiar. Yeah. And you're right. It seemed like it was set up to be a big hit. Yeah. Well, it's like we were talking about earlier with Explorers, too. It's like they were setting it up in such a way that it's like, oh, this follows sort of what E.T. was doing, sort of what mm-hmm. other sorts of movies like that were doing. It has that big fantasy feel to it, and then it just doesn't doesn't connect in the same way. But that that one at least picked up something of like a cult following later. Yeah. I don't think that I, I've never heard of this movie before. Yeah, I hadn't either. I hadn't either. Uh, quite frankly, you know, you had given me a list of movies to potentially choose. And uh, the reason I chose this one is I took one look at the cast. Yeah. And I thought, wow, this yeah. has a great yeah, cast. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. Albert Finney. Yeah. Uh, Clayberg. Kyle MacLachlan. Uh, Alfre Woodard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, and uh, Susie Amos, um, who plays the older sister, mm-hmm. who uh, would later uh, meet James Cameron on the set of Titanic and marry him. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Rock star cast here. Yeah, a, for sure. Yeah, in a middling movie. Mm-hmm. Based on a very successful novel, right? We should say. Yeah. Right, Josephine Humphreys. Right. Who who wrote the novel? The novel. Josephine Humphreys. Yeah. yeah. Do, do, yes. Is there anything else? Any notable other titles that she's written? That's a great question. Let me um, consult my encyclopedia really quickly. Call call the library. Ring them up. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't recognize any of these other titles, but the first ones that come up are Nowhere Else on Earth, Dreams of Sleep, and The Fireman's Fair. She is from the author, Humphrey. She is from South Carolina, okay. which is where this is, movie is mm-hmm. set, right? Yeah. Mount Pleasant, I think. Yeah. That's what I read on Wikipedia. It looked very pleasant. It did. The place it looked very beautiful. nice. Yeah. Like a nice place to live. A place that would all be underwater by 2041. Yes. According to the news report that yeah. Albert Finney read about mm, two-thirds of the way in the movie. Mm-hmm. So there, I couldn't believe there was like a you know a climate change, global warming reference. Yeah. In yeah. yeah, yeah. And it just goes to show you know how long this has been going on, how little attention. Not, not to get political, but you know. Yeah. Uh, that was a funny moment. Yeah, I don't think was, the end of the world trip. is political. I'm, I don't either. I, I'm sorry I said that. Unfortunately, it's become a political issue, and really, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. True. Well, speaking of political issues. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, after I should say, after seeing some of the material in this movie, I, I don't regret having chosen it. Mm-hmm. It's certainly a more difficult movie to talk about yeah than you know uh, some other ethan hawk roles like you know gattaca or something yeah uh, but uh there's a lot to talk about in this movie so sorry yeah Go yeah ahead. no yeah in that cold open that you guys were mentioning mm-hmm. with Catherine irby and ethan hawk it uh i felt like we opened on some light homophobia oh yeah we certainly did about that yeah, yeah. Yep. um they're discussing uh who in their class may be gay the like head baseball, head baseball i clearly know sports yeah. <laughs> um yeah, the, one of the star the, baseball the players <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah he um Catherine irby was suggesting that he was gay and ethan hawk said no he can't be because he plays baseball. Yeah. Mm. And um, then she points something out about him or something. Something about his physicality. Yeah. And they cut to him and he's doing like a very stereotypical like. Yeah. 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 Rough. Rough start. Yeah. But we, we can move past that. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And so so the the I guess the sort of pivotal moment in the start of the movie is she receives the note from her or there's the note written by her mom mm-hmm. yeah typed out typed out that on a, says, like a 80s word process yeah. i'm leaving basically yeah. and then she sort of 
And she rewords it. She types a yeah. new note that seems a little less harsh, I think. Yeah, that's... I but it says the same thing. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah, kind yeah. of confusing what the... I think maybe... I think I was just so distracted by the word processor itself. Yeah. I was just looking at it and like watching the text go by that I didn't mm-hmm. even think about what was happening on I, it. I, too, was struck by a lot of the anachronistic technological uh, things in this movie and mm-hmm. references you know, to VCR, things like that that we'll get to, but uh, maybe just because of my age uh, that... Uh, I'm reminded of all this stuff, uh, and uh, it did take me out for a moment, but it was fun to see. Anyway. Yeah. Um, before we get past that, though, just one quick funny thing. In, in the opening credits, that cold open, uh, the stars in the movie start coming out, and just as Ethan Hawke is walking into the center of the frame, Albert Finney's name comes up, and I just found that funny. Because mm-hmm. it's like, well, it's, it's not Albert Finney. That's not who that is. <laughs> so I guess since this is an Ethan Hawke podcast, we should take a little more time to talk about Ethan Hawke in this movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in this uh, episode. So um, he coaches Little League, and he's right, coaching right, a right. losing Little League team. They've lost 15 games or something, I yeah. think. And I thought that was an interesting note. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to go – coach or something and she's like oh i can't make it to your game yeah because she has to go study for latin or something yeah yeah but he's really coming on to her pretty hard yeah the whole time every time they're together yeah 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 Yeah. oh also Catherine irby uh let's talk a little bit about her because i love her from criminal intent law and order criminal intent she was paired with vincent d'onofrio for about a decade on that show yeah vincent d'onofrio who's very good friends with ethan hawk Mm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they did. Uh, they've done maybe three movies together. Um, recently, The Kid, Vincent D'Onofrio directed The Kid, and Ethan Hawke stars in it. Um, and also, they were on an episode of Dak Shepard's podcast, Armchair Expert, where they were both on it together. So, mm. yeah. That's fun. Yeah, I they're a fun, fun combo, fun friends. Yeah. The Kid. Is that The like Kid's a about Billy the Kid. Yeah, it's Western. Oh, Dane okay. DeHaan. Okay. Other people. I feel like Ethan Hawke's been doing like some westerns lately. Yeah, he also did. They did the, they did the Magnificent Seven, seven together. Yeah. It's those two and Chris Pratt is also in both of those Wait, movies. Wait, so Vincent D'Onofrio was in. He was in Magnificent Seven as an actor, and he directed the kid. Oh, uh, okay. okay. I I love Ethan Hawke in a western. Mm-hmm. He he has the the physicality, the, the I mean the face, you know. He really the, the, the facial hair. Yes, yeah. the facial hair. That's yeah. that's yeah. what I'm talking about. He he really fits into that universe well, and I hope he does some more. As much as westerns are a dying cinematic genre, yeah, uh, it's fun to see him in them. Mm-hmm. I feel like westerns. I don't know. I kind of feel like they've had a little, maybe a tiny little resurgence. Maybe. A little renaissance, yeah. A little renaissance. Starting with the Coen Brothers' two, True Grit, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's been a, and they also, a bunch I mean, of them. I think there's like some movies that are not exactly Westerns, but are like spiritually Westerns. Like No Country for Old Men. It's a modern yeah. setting, but mm-hmm. it has like the sort of beats of a Western. Yeah. The sort of plot and the setting and all that stuff. It just, they also have cars. Hell or High Water, Hell similarly. Or high water. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love that movie. Did we talk about that last week? I don't know. Didn't we might have. I feel like we just talk about that movie a lot. I Yeah, I because I, I really love that movie. I think it's yeah. a great movie. And it has that similar, like, kind of... Western, Western contemporary feel, Western. Contemporary Western feel. I don't know how well it did in theaters. Did it do okay? It was received very well critically, received but well, I don't yeah. know how well it did financially. yeah. But, yeah, I love that movie. And then there's, um, I feel like there's a few others. I don't know. So I think it has had a little bit of Mm -hmm. moment, maybe. Yeah. The Mule. The Mule. (laughs) Clint Eastwood. (laughs) Anything with Clint Eastwood feels like a Western, honestly. That's true. 
that his speech at the RNC. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. His defining role. Mm. No, I love Clint Eastwood. It's fine. I just, you know. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> so, uh, without Jill Clayburgh in the house, it kind of seems like their lives have fallen apart a little bit. Catherine Irby does her best to try to pick up like the matriarchal role of the house, but her dad is uh, Albert, played by Albert Finney, is playing is just eating like you know sandwiches, these horrible yeah. sandwiches. I, I I have a note here. I would love to talk about the food in this let's movie. Let's do it. Let's, let's talk about the food. Let's take a break. Let's, from yeah. let's, let's yeah. get food into talk. the food. Okay, so Albert Finney. First of all, we should say Albert Finney. British actor mm-hmm. doing a very convincing Southern accent. Yeah, his accent, accent is great Incredible. in this movie. For some reason, British actors tend to have a really easy time with the Southern accent. I think there's mm-hmm. something about the Southern American accent that's a little bit closer to, to yeah. British. Yeah, maybe. I've heard that um, the Southern American accent is actually the closest to like Shakespeare. Like, So there's huh. a lot of uh, groups that do productions of Shakespeare in Southern American accents because the it's, it comes out the, like the best sounding with the words. That's, it. that's very interesting. Um, so some of Albert Finney's snacks. Uh, we see him uh, in a moment of stress uh, in an evening, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, dipping a banana yes. into a jar of peanut butter. Yeah. yeah. Which I am going to go home and try right after this. Yeah. At another point, he makes a potato chip sandwich. With yeah. so much so mayonnaise much. A lot on of it. mayonnaise. Yeah. It's a bit of a carbo-fat overload mm-hmm. uh, on white bread, of course. Yes. Um, and, and and uh, But Albert Finney's not the only one who eats in this movie. Mm-hmm. No. We see a great scene with our boy, Ethan. And hot. eating is it a chicken wing or a chicken leg oh yeah it is yeah. i think it's a it's a, like a drumstick like it's a, a leg, drumstick yeah. and so he's eating this while he's with his girlfriend yeah at the door observing his girlfriend's father just eating it and then the two of them sit down to have like an, an, a an serious a, conversation serious emotional chat and he's still not on that on that chicken yeah and there's a moment and i loved ethan hawk's acting in this moment uh, as terrible as the character is sometimes, Ethan Hawke's acting is really good in this. Yeah. And you can see him almost glancing, looking, thinking about, does he want to hug the or kiss the girl, or does he want to just, just take another bite? Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's a lot of fun food moments in this movie, that's yeah. true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I was just, like, watching him eat that sandwich, and I was like, oh, my God. And they... And they they I think... I'm pretty sure they shot it in a way so that the camera is, like, between... It's like in front of him so that you see like the sandwich like being made like they they, they go into as much detail as possible mm-hmm. on the sandwich, sandwich yeah. yeah they really emphasize it which i loved mm-hmm. so i have a really funny line that Catherine irby had where she's talking to her mom on the phone uh and because you know they can't get a hold of the mom they try to find her um but ultimately she ends up calling and saying like don't find me yeah um and when she's on the phone with her Catherine irby says well is it something feminist or is it something real just give me a reason <laughs> oh dear <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah trying to figure out you know why her mom's leaving um that just felt so uh stuck in that time and place yeah uh, that was, that's that kind of really funny, funny to yeah. hear back now she has some interesting thoughts about about love and, and, and sex relations in this movie. Another quote of hers that I wrote down a little bit later, uh, you love what you bump into. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little grim. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah, cuz they set it up cuz so she's with her dad and they're like 
just by themselves for a while and she's just sort of trying to look after him and then her sister shows up yes Mm -hmm. with kyle mclaughlin Mm -hmm. and basically like the first thing she says to her she she basically just starts ragging on her sister's new husband just like immediately before he even gets in the door she's like oh who is this guy basically Mm -hmm. it's just like okay so his appearance, Kyle McLaughlin plays a guy named Billy McQueen, who is a Yankee, as they say. Yes. He's a northerner. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so he already sort of doesn't fit in. He's very straight-laced, you know, sort of yeah. country club, um, polo-wearing type-looking guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when he appears, I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is pure McLaughlin. This is like Kyle McLaughlin playing Kyle McLaughlin in a movie in the way that I want to see him be Kyle McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. This is perfect. This is every role of his that um, he... And I, 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 you know, typecasting is a reality in Hollywood, unfortunately, but but Kyle McLaughlin does this type of character so well in so many things I've seen him in. Um, you know, uh, the sort of uh, seemingly innocent uh, type guy. Of course, in this movie, we see that Billy McQueen is not so innocent later on. Yes. Yeah. Which surprised me. That legitimately I was surprised me. Yeah. And, you know, quite frankly, it didn't seem to fit in some of the arcs of these characters, the things that they did. But uh, yeah, yeah, I had written down somewhere at the beginning, they mentioned that she had been working for a mayor or something like some kind of government official mm-hmm. um, and the sister had. And so uh, Catherine Irby mentions like, oh, do you, how much time do you have off? Like, how long are you guys going to be here? And then Kyle McLaughlin says, oh, you didn't tell her you don't work for him anymore. And I assumed and the sister is also pregnant. We find out she's pregnant. So I assumed that she had been raped by her boss and that's how she got pregnant and that Kyle McLaughlin was kind of like doing quote unquote the right thing and like marrying her mm-hmm. um, to, you know, help out in that situation. But we find that that is not actually what happened. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we may as well say it, right? Yeah, we later find it. out that Billy McQueen, uh, Kyle McLaughlin's character, uh, her, you know, shotgun husband, uh, was poking holes in his condoms for mm-hmm. a month in yeah. a concerted effort to get her pregnant. Just so he could marry her, basically. Yeah, because he thought there was no other way that she would be with him. Now, he revealed this to Catherine Irby, yeah. mm-hmm. who really wanted to know the specifics of how this happened, yeah. and also didn't seem to really care. Yeah. yeah. That was the weird thing, is that she was so put off by him in the beginning, and then he reveals this actually damaging information about himself and she's like oh i guess that's just a thing that happens so she holds a grudge against him in the beginning for no reason whatsoever and then he reveals something terrible that he's actually done and she's like well okay i guess that's fine i have a note in the beginning the first time that billy appears there's a couple of glances that he gives you know our, our lead Catherine lucille. lucille sorry yeah. uh, no, a few glances that billy gives that lucille seemed uh maybe a little flirty mm-hmm. and then he helps yeah. her in scrabble and there's all these tiny little moments you know yeah. these little hallmark yeah. moments and then all of a sudden they're full on you know making out uh and going trick-or-treating together oh yeah that was interesting i've never i maybe i don't know is adult trick-or-treating something that was okay i mean clearly not because they scared away they a bunch of little kids. children <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so after he after they arrive they're all basically staying together in the same house Mm -hmm. and um oh and her she finds out that Catherine Irby finds out that she that her mother tried to have an abortion oh yeah and didn't succeed 
or she, I guess, yeah, she there was were twins. twins, pregnant with twins, yeah. and only one uh, made it. Made it, yeah. yeah. Um, so a lot of really heavy stuff in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? it's their second movie in a row that has that an abortion plotline. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, one of the things about this movie that I find a little bit troublesome, at least you know, to, to to me, and maybe this might be the point of what it's trying to get at. This does happen to families, mm-hmm. and families do have moments of humor as well as the sadness, and there is something. Um, real about it but the balance that the movie strikes between these serious moments and its lighter comedy uh, uh didn't quite hit it for me um, yeah and uh it seemed maybe more like light melodrama than a real you know gothic family drama i mean I, I have a note in the beginning when when when, when uh, the father when albert finney is driving around frantically looking for his his wife, who he saw get away in a car, uh, there's a moment where he stops, has to stop at an intersection when a horse gets into the intersection. And then we see a shot from under the horse, (laughs) the horse urinating, and Albert Finney's look of shock or disgust and wanting to get past. So, So there's like, there's like, a bodily fluid gag in yeah. like the first third of this movie <laughs> yeah, it's true. that that but like i don't the horse peed i'm sorry it didn't, <laughs> didn't fit for me with the whole thing. yeah yeah i actually i don't know i kind of liked that <laughs> i get what it's trying to do yeah. it's trying to be oh fun for the whole family come see the movie we have some gross out humor we have some yeah. some some sexual tension and we have some lighter moments and there's three generations you know what you know i get it yeah, I mean, I just thought that it was something about the movie that, like, thwarted the main characters, that, like, you know, not everything was going to go perfectly, because, like, I don't know, even though that it starts off with this, like, real life-changing event, I still felt like everything was kind of going pretty smoothly like he was gonna start reading books and he was gonna start like you know and so like and she and like she has her own issues because she's been taking over like the home so she doesn't finish high school that year like she had planned to but um you know the sister and the brother-in-law are home and like they're kind of a whole family unit and everything seems you know so Mm. it was something that scene even though it was silly like got in their way yeah it was you know which i think it kind of needed some another thing to get in their way so something got in their way something out of their control uh one of the major themes of this movie uh that i observed is control Mm -hmm. control Mm -hmm. lack thereof trying to gain control, losing control, and then all the emotions uh, tied to that and ways that people cope with that. When when the older sister comes and she, she she's pregnant, we see her smoking. Yeah. We see her drinking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? there was so much of that. There was a lot. They really hammer it home that she is being an irresponsible mother-to-be mm-hmm. but wants to keep the baby. And yeah. then eventually, by the way, does have the baby and the baby's totally healthy. Yeah. Great. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, Lucky. Yeah. But, but uh, to see that kind of responsibility is odd. So maybe start thinking is there some alcoholism in this family here? Or are there some alcoholic tendencies? Mm-hmm. Or what's going on? And our, the young sister, Catherine Irby, does chug a bunch of beers that then are revealed to be near beers, but then does actually have drinks with Kyle McLaughlin later. Later on, yeah. But um, beyond just consumption of alcohol, there is a lot of that compulsivity, impulsivity, and obsessiveness in this family, mm-hmm. how people deal with control. 
so the younger sister Lucille, after getting some bad news and with her sister, she goes out to the deck and starts getting on that exercise bike, mm-hmm. like to work out her, oh, yeah. her feelings. Yeah. You know, that's that how she deals scene. with yeah. her lack of control. We later see the father on the exercise bike yeah. mm-hmm. for for a different reason. So uh, yeah, just just uh, the control thing for me was. was uh, yeah, and I think you see that a lot, especially with Catherine Irby's character, because, like, you know, she's seen her parents' relationship, and she's seen it fall apart, and so, like, the way that she handles her relationship with Ethan Hawke is kind of, like, this has to go the way that I want it to go, you know, I don't know, everything kind of needs to be just right for her, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, she she's definitely has, like, this feeling that she has to control the way things are going, and, like, when her dad starts, she, she, he meets another woman, mm-hmm. Uh, who's like who is his hairdresser and he starts going out with her and and Catherine Ruby's like oh like I can't go out on Friday because I I'm gonna we, we always spend time together with my dad and all that stuff mm-hmm. he's like oh actually I have other plans and she's like you know shocked so that's the only thing that compels her to end up going out and they go to that that club in the middle of which looked so fun yeah I yeah. love that place <laughs> yeah. the fishbone so nightclub cool. yeah. yeah yeah and the, the owner because yeah. it, like, it was like a shack it was like a little shack and they all parked out in the front in the grass and they went in and it was like a big club i don't know it just looked cool yeah yeah so the owner was played by alfrey woodard who has been in like everything forever mm. um uh this is kind of silly, but like the first thing I think I remember her from is uh, she was in the TV movie of A Wrinkle in Time from the early 2000s. And okay. I watched, I had that on VHS. I watched it a lot. For me, she'll forever be that uh, uh, Earth character in Star Trek First Contact mm. uh, when they go back in time, who uh, has to do something to fix a warp drive or something or other. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, Star Trek fan over here. Yeah. Uh, you're not the only one. We have another another guest on who came on the show who's a big Star Trek oh, yeah. fan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Giovanni Biani, shout out. Yeah, but so in the nightclub, the uh, older sister gets on stage, and we have like no idea that she is a singer. But uh, Ray, the sister, she goes up and she's singing "I've Been Loving You Too Long" and really kills it. Yeah, 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 yeah. really good. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. Um, and then Billy, also her husband, didn't know that she didn't sang. Know, yeah. So that was a, a shock for him, and they have a bit of a conversation about that after. Yeah. yeah. And there's that weird scene where he's talking to the guy, where Billy's talking to the guy. Oh yeah. There's yeah. a guy that comes. He's just like a friend or whatever. Mm-hmm. Comes up and sits down. Kisses. Uh, oh yeah, he kisses oh, Ray yes. right yeah, in front yeah, of yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's this like tense like racial moment yeah he drops yeah. the n-word real hard yeah, he says like something like we don't have any n in in uh where because he's asking me if he's from chicago he says like oh, i'm from, from outside Winnetka. chicago Winnetka. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 and then something like yeah, yeah well well the the gentleman he was talking to used the n-word which uh you know you don't hear in cinema really at all mm-hmm. anymore yeah really. hard hard r hard, there. yeah 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 in 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 this uh type of uh movie i guess you don't expect that but then again it is in the south yeah Yeah. uh that is real and this was a real conversation but but my goodness i never thought i would live to see the day that uh the n-word escaped kyle mclaughlin's lips i was a little unsettling jarring yeah Yeah, but look you know we're (laughs) it's a roll yeah (laughs) yeah yeah 
it made total sense in the context of the movie, but you know, uh, it was jarring. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, to me, sure. you know, in 2019. Yeah. So afterwards, when uh, Ray and Billy are talking about how you know he didn't know that she could sing, uh, he's like, you know, you can go back there and you could sing more. And she said she had a line that I thought was just like really striking. She said, "No, I can't. I'll be too big. After that, I'll be too many." which was mm -hmm. just a really strong way to say what she was saying. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Yeah. That was a great piece of writing. Yeah, and then... Oh, and then... There, so I think at, shortly after that, there's a scene... There's Ethan Hawke's last scene. Mm. He's basically only in two scenes. Three. There's the beginning. There's the one in the middle where they talk about how her family's falling apart, and he tries to kiss her while oh, he's eating chicken. chicken. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then at the end, the, towards yeah. the end, yeah. yeah, towards the middle end. Yeah. Where he is. Yeah. What? Like what? What is it? I think she calls him up. I think she's ready to have yeah. sex with yeah, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so she sets it all up very meticulously. Like she calls him, and there are candles laid out by a blanket by the water. Yeah, and the the funny thing is that the blanket is within mm -hmm. viewing distance of the porch of her house. <laughs> yeah, and it so kind she of she can see like her dad is like at one point her dad is standing up there, and she like sees him. Yeah. Like, while they're making out. Yeah, and I thought that kind of paralleled an earlier scene where yes. Ray and Billy were, they were really, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, they were, they were making out heavily. Yeah. While Albert Finney and, and, and Catherine Irby were on the, were on the roof, roof and uh, yeah. he said, seems to be an awful lot of sex going on with those two. <laughs> yeah. Hope it doesn't unbalance the marriage. Yeah. Uh, that, that line made me laugh out loud, and I paused it and rewound it because <laughs> I missed the bet last half. But, but just to hear him say, hmm, seems to be a lot of sex going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was wild. Yeah, that was that was. The, I think the line that got me the most was when when she was like, "Is this a feminist thing or is this a real thing?" Yeah, it's just really funny. Yeah. So yeah, so that Billy and Ray scene parallels with this uh, scene with Catherine Irby yeah. and Ethan Hawke, where they uh, are within distance of yeah. viewing distance of the house and. Um, yeah, so they have sex, and she doesn't seem really satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets uh, really defensive about it. Yeah. And um, I, I can't really remember. I didn't take any notes during yeah, this part because I think I was just kind of into the movie by this point. He tries to tell her that it can be better, you know, mm -hmm. the second time and so on, and tries to say that um, he wants to work it out, but then also he's shortly becomes incredibly frustrated with her yeah and says it's all your fault you set this up i'm done with you i can't deal with this yeah and yeah. he's like don't um, call me don't call me yeah. yeah so so you know not a very sympathetic character neither of them in that moment are really being you know entirely uh good to the other one yeah yeah yeah, yeah i mean but the thing is, is like she was just kind of standing there contemplatively she wasn't really saying anything no. he he gives on this himself. whole yeah, yeah exactly he goes on this whole long mm -hmm. argument he turns it all around yeah. while she's basically just looking at him and then he just like storms off the thing that he says is uh, I, I missed one of the words I think but I'm not totally sure but he says something to the effect of your idea of love is a total error it's 360 degrees off which is pretty and funny and then she says 180 mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah that was so good what I wanted to say about Ethan Hawke's acting in this scene especially the previous one is that um, well he, he plays the character great we all know who this character is immediately from yeah. his physicality from his his, his voice uh, 
and of course, you know, the dialogue is written for him. Uh, there's an earnest, if misguided, sensitivity to Hawk's hot dumb jock, and I think he plays it very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree, and I think it's like, yeah, like you were saying, Jonathan, it's like kind of a different character than we've seen him do before, yeah. because um, in pretty much all of the ones preceding this, he's been good, like kind of essentially good, and that's yeah, yeah. What, what drives him. Um, and this is more, I don't know, he's... He's driven by sex and chicken wings. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. yeah he's and we're not boy. given that much else to, to go on. To yeah. go on. Like that those are the things we know about him basically. Yeah. I do wonder I do wonder if there was more that was cut or if the character was larger in the book. But yeah, it could it's have been. possible yeah. what we get. Yeah. The movie's pretty short. It's hundred and five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean short by you know, today's standards. Mm-hmm. Time time this came out, that's a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the last we see of him. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. He just goes off and that's it. And then there's a scene a little later on, like they're sitting in the, I think this is the scene they're where they're all the sitting porch. in the porch and he says, oh, South Carolina is going to be gone in mm. 40 years or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and then his, the hairdresser, his girlfriend is like, oh, well, I guess no one will mind if I eat another piece of cake, <laughs> which yeah. felt pretty real. Cause there's a certain extent to which it's like, it's like, we all, we all want to do something. Mm-hmm. But there's a limit to what we can do. Yeah. So to a certain extent, we're like, all right, well, I guess I'll eat more cake. That's, yeah. that's kind of how it feels yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. Which felt like a kind of real feeling of like reading disastrous climate news. Like, oh, my city's going to be underwater. Well, time to check the next tweet, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, can we talk about the girlfriend for a second? Oh, I love that, her. Yeah. She She's is great, so yeah. Piper Laurie mm-hmm. is the actress. Uh-huh. Plays a hairdresser who Albert Finney courts and... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he goes over to her house at one point, uh, and uh, Catherine Henry is very upset by this because uh, uh, she, she, the hairdresser, has a VCR over at her place. <laughs> they're going to watch a yeah. movie. And then the older sister's like, it's no big deal. And Catherine Henry says, but it's not TV. It's a VCR. <laughs> and do you know what VCRs are for? They're for X-rated, X-rated films. X-rated movies, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was, yeah, I liked that uh, turn of technology kind yeah. of conversation. Yeah. There's yeah. there's a there's a fun uh, Kumail Nanjiani bit that he's mm-hmm. talking about where how he I love him his like he was saying that his family you know is very like strict Muslims and he you know at as as a young guy does he got exposed to pornography <laughs> and so he would take these tapes that he got from like uh, like kids movies basically and he would record porn like in the middle of the movie <laughs> and and so and one time he was watching the movie or he was watching porn and the um power cut out and he couldn't get the vcr he couldn't get the tape out of the vcr <laughs> so he entirely disassembled it <laughs> the vc the oh my player gosh. and takes the tape out and he couldn't figure out how to fix it so he takes it to the to like the guy in town or whatever that fixes vcrs he's like He's like, and the guy's like, you know what? Next time you get porn stuck in your VCR, just call me first. <laughs> Don't try to take the tape apart. And then he said when he moved away, um, they his parents, I think, like sold all these tapes. They didn't know what was on them. They sold oh, all no. these tapes. So he said that there's like kids now watching like Lion King. And then in the middle, they get like, mm-hmm. you know, porn. Yeah. It's just a funny story. Yeah. But my, my, my experience with VCRs is very just it was ice age and then like this video this 
like I, it was like third grade and we made a animated movie like as a class we all mm-hmm. had to make an animated movie and it was like it was basically a magic school bus ripoff hmm. so it was just but we all animated ourselves into it mm-hmm. and so we were all doing we went to like antarctica or whatever and that was our that was our movie it was great it's a lot fun. of fun and then we had this song at the end it was like hollywood something i don't know it's my it was my first introduction to to the industry yeah. <laughs> it's, i also uh was exposed at a very young age to movies on vhs tape but particularly musical films which mm-hmm. led me to you know do what i do today you know uh I, I, my parents showed me old mga musicals uh uh, you know, Singing in the Rain, uh, a lot of Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly, Top Hat, but then also uh, uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein, South Pacific, you know, uh, um, Sound of Music, uh, and then what else, you know, I had there, I had these certain musicals were so long that they had to be yeah. two VHS yeah. tapes. Titanic, I remember Titanic. that. And so you get this yeah. big box. I remember Fiddler on the Roof was a double. I think mm-hmm. Sound of Music was a double one. Anyway, as long as we're talking about VHS tapes, very fond memories that I have of those movies. Yeah. Uh, particularly loved the um, Gene Kelly, Frank Sinatra duo movies. That Hollywood tried to make that a thing for a while. It was mm-hmm. Take Me Out mm-hmm. to the Ball Game. Anyway. Yeah, I think as far as musicals, I think on VHS I had On the Town, which I definitely wore out. And... Um, uh, Whitney Houston, Brandy, Cinderella, which I now have on DVD. Nice. Yeah, yeah. There's an old movie reference in Rich in Love. There's a moment when uh, Susie Amos, the right. older sister, is watching. I couldn't identify the movie, but it was Betty Davis, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And, and says she wishes she was born in the 40s. She would oh, have done yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and I think also when um, Albert Finney and his girlfriend are watching movies, they're watching musicals too. They're, there's like two movies that they mentioned. I can't remember what they are though. I can't recall. Um, but but I think there was some kind of Rita Hayworth uh, reference at some point. I can't remember. Yeah. Maybe, I'm not sure. Maybe. I don't know. I took bad notes this time. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 my notes were not that thorough. No, yeah, mm. no. Well, going back to that scene on the porch, mm. that was that's a hard scene to watch. She wants to, um, she wants an abortion. Ray wants an abortion now, and she's pretty far along. Yeah. She's like seven months into her pregnancy. Well, she doesn't want an abortion. She wants to give the child away, right? She just oh. doesn't want to have. Yeah. The child. Well, she just she's, oh, the first she... thing she she says is like, "I don't want to have this kid." Yeah. She says. And then Catherine right. immediately responds, "You can't have an abortion. It's too late." And she's like, "I'm not gonna have an abortion. I'm gonna give it away." Right, right, right. Yeah. So, and then they kind of talk her out of it i guess or they kind of they're all sort of mm-hmm. pushing her that she should keep the baby yeah yeah billy's really upset by it and he storms off and goes upstairs um yeah. but then you know the the rest of the family just talks her out of it and then she just laughs it off yeah like, oh, and, and we're then wild. Some, somehow in the next 20 minutes after this everyone gets a happy ending yeah everyone. yeah 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 Oh, we should, Jill Clayburgh, I think, did we skip the part where, um... Yeah, where they, they find her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess we did skip that part. Or yeah. is it after? I don't know. I don't remember. I uh, let me see if I have this written down. <laughs> anyway, so Catherine Irby goes to Alfre Woodard's house. Um, I mean, Alfre Woodard called her over. And so yeah. um, it turns out that her mom, Jill, played by Jill Clayburgh, had been living in the back house with Alfre Woodard for yeah. all that time, yeah, just like, a like half a mile small. away from yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was working in town as well or something, yeah. at like a food place, yeah. I think. Or like a seashell store or yeah, something. Something yeah, something like that, yeah. And her rationale wasn't uh, great. I mean, it was selfish. Yeah. It, it was. was. She wanted to control her life. She said when her husband retired, she was just tired of, him puttering around the house, mm-hmm. watching her do stuff. 
And I can get how that gets to a person. And everyone's entitled, you know, to, to, to leave toxic relationships, of yeah. course. But um, to leave her daughters, too, without any yeah. trace, kind of kind of selfish. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, also just it's kind of a, you know, cold turkey way of looking at the situation. Like she could have they could have, you know, I don't know, gone to counseling or she could have talked to her husband about it first. Like these are things you do that bother me and I love you. And I just kind of need to have like four hours of the day to myself where you're not there, you know, yeah. something like that but before. At this time, you know, in this neighborhood, people didn't really go to therapy. They just kind of yelled at each other and then mm -hmm. ate potato chip sandwiches and chicken wings <laughs> and then hell had happy endings. Yeah. So there you go. It all worked out in the end. Yeah, it's fine. And they became like a, you know, a fun modern family by the <laughs> yes. end. That was the point, I think, is yeah. the evolution of the modern Southern family. And I'm mm -hmm. sure this played really well in the novel and that's why it sold so well. Mm -hmm. Because this is the early 90s. Things are changing socially. Yeah. And yeah. The older generations have a tough time with that. This was a very, not, not sugar-coated, and, and I used the word melodrama before. There is real yeah. drama in this movie. There are real stakes. It's just that they all get somehow resolved almost as soon as they're presented. Um, just feels, you know, easier than real life. Yeah. Um, the problems are a little bit exaggerated from real life, and the solutions are also a little bit exaggerated. Mm -hmm. But I can see this movie's appeal, or what it was trying to appeal to, is all ages of a family you know we've got the pregnancies we've got the high school graduations and mm -hmm. we've got the horse urine <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah those are the three demographics yeah <laughs> and then there was there was a good scene where she where he's trying to go um where the dad is going to fight try to go to her go to his wife uh-huh right wait what which, huh? Albert Finney mm -hmm. is going to go to the mother, right? He he wants to go. He wants to get in the car, and then Catherine Irby doesn't let him. No, oh, no he, was he was trying to get to the, the girlfriend. girlfriend. Oh, yeah, because right. Catherine Irby you're wants right. her parents to get back yeah. together, which is a totally yes, yes, like yes, reasonable yes, yes, impulse yes, 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 for yes, a child yes, yeah. of two people. And you're right. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. But he and so she tells her dad's girlfriend like, "Oh, my mom's back. She's in the picture again." Um, and so then he wants to make sure that his girlfriend is still like, you know, with him is not put off by this because he loves her and Kat, yeah. and, but he doesn't have a driver's license. So Catherine Irby has been driving him around this yes, whole movie. Yes, 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 yes. And so she won't let him drive. And then later in the, in the night, he ends up taking his like lawnmower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, a little yeah. lawnmower. And, yeah. just sort of drives off. and then all mm -hmm. of a sudden time jumps. Mm -hmm. There were several time jumps in the movie that weren't clear to me until I, Oh, I latched on to it. Did, did either of you have that issue? I'm not sure. What, 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 what were some of the other... Um, well, there was that, and then... Well, in, let me see. Um, in the very beginning, when did those weeks happen uh, of her final exams passing? Like, it, it seems like it's all yeah. one day. Yeah, you're right. Well, I think that maybe they were kind of... Yeah, it does kind of seem like one day, but also it seems like they were trying to yeah. capture the monotony of that period of time yeah. where she's I like trying it. to take care of her dad and his her dad is like depressed, it's like all that yeah. depression period. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally get it. Um, but uh, yeah, I did feel like suddenly the sister got like really pregnant. Like she, they jumped a few months yeah. in the yeah. In well, because basically they did that I, haircut montage. Yeah, because <laughs> my understanding, my what from what I remember is that pretty much right after. That scene where he drives off in the tractor, the lawnmower, lawnmower. or whatever. Yeah. 
um, it's it cuts to like the final scene, which is all of them. They're all like moving out of the house, basically, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, they've yeah. sold the house, right? Yeah, they sold the house, and they're all going their own ways and all that stuff. Yeah. Right? And everyone's fine again. The older sister, yeah, Kyle yeah, McLaughlin, yeah. and the young the young child, and she's going off to college. She's going to Duke. It's, mm-hmm. You know. So uh, yeah, that was a happy ending, all tied up in a bow. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that that we hit all the major yeah. plot points, right? Yeah. Um, I think so. Can I mention uh, just a few interesting yeah. things? Yeah, that, yeah of that course. I, Go okay. for it. So uh, the opening, I was actually struck by a sense of uh, calm and uh, feeling at home and at ease. That this is one of those movies, and I'm not sure how to define this, but this is one of those movies, the way it was photographed, perhaps the time, just because you know I was, I was a kid in the 90s, uh, but also the music and the stylistic choices of the like the opening frames. There was sort of almost individual still life photographs. Mm-hmm. This is the type of movie I could live in. Mm-hmm. The type of movie that I turn on and I'm in that universe. You know, if I catch it halfway through on TV, it's just one of those movies that kind of exists. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what I mean by that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I kind of get what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I felt in a uh, much more literal sense, I felt like I could live in that house because yeah. it looked really <laughs> yeah. nice. Because there, there's, there's one scene that they show where Kyle McLaughlin storms upstairs mm-hmm. and they cut back yes. and you see that it has two balconies, yeah. which is like so nice. Yeah, two wrap, two levels of wraparound porch. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, just a, another stray observation. Well, look, uh, you know, I teased this at the top of the podcast, but mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen, we're about to get serious here. So, look, Kyle McLaughlin is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Piper Laurie is in this movie. She sure is. Piper Laurie and Kyle McLaughlin co-starred in another very successful piece of media. Do you know what that is? Twin Peaks? Twin Peaks. I have okay. actually never seen Twin Peaks. I have seen Twin Peaks. Okay, I've seen the first two seasons the original run or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did not see Firewalk with me mm-hmm. or the new stuff. Right. So yeah. that's my... I've seen all of it. You've seen all of it. Okay. I've seen all Wait, of so it. Wait, so who's Piper Laurie in... Piper Laurie is uh, like the, 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 the mill owner, if I'm not mistaken, right? right? Do, I, do I have this wrong? Should we... Should we should no, we I mean, I, I, I... Should we go to the tape? you. I just don't remember. Oh. <laughs> uh, I've got some news. Um, so la- last night I, I, uh, I, I tweeted on the Twitter that I was watching this movie <laughs> Okay. and, uh, I, I, I just got a like from Kyle McLaughlin, <gasps> the man wow. himself. Wow. That's fun. Look, take a look Ooh, at I this. I think I got real loud there. Like, liked by Kyle McLaughlin. That's amazing. That's yeah. so fun. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Kyle, if you're listening, you know. Yeah. We love you. We, come we, on the show. Come on the show, yeah. <laughs> should, we, should we start a, like a sub-podcast of like Kyle heads or something? Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, within Hawkeyes. Um, but... Uh, McLaughlin's. Yeah. Well, we were, we were looking up Piper Laurie, right? Oh, right, yes, right, yeah. yeah. In, uh, in she Twin Peaks. is Catherine Martell. Yes. Oh, okay, yeah. Means nothing to me, but it seems to mean something to you guys. Yeah. She's... Kind of a bad guy, right? Yeah, kind of a conniving uh, slash uh, Mister yeah. Tojimura. I was right; she is the owner oh, of the right. mill. Oh, right, that that whole thing. Was oh, that the second sh- season where she dresses up? 
Yeah. Yeah. That was the second season, right? Is yeah. it as problematic okay. as it sounds? Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. <laughs> she she goes like she disguises herself basically as like a old Asian man. Oh boy. And goes around to like I don't remember what she was trying to do. I don't remember the second season that well, but she was doing all sorts of criminal activities and yeah. Um, it was a yeah. mess. So anyway, third season of Twin Peaks at the end. I, do you think it's all right to spoil the end of the third season of Twin Peaks? Wait, been... I genuinely want to watch it. Okay, right. The newest it's one? It's been two years. What? The newest one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, so I won't say what happens at the end. But all is she I'm in say- it? Is she in it? All I'm saying okay, okay. is right. that there's a possibility that rich and love exists in the Twin Peaks universe. Oh. For a real okay. possibility. Given the end of season three, mm-hmm. where certain people end up and where a certain car drives to and a certain person in that car, <laughs> it seems like this could be the post-Twin Peaks or pre-Twin Peaks universe. Or alternate reality. Or time is wow. like a Mobius strip. Exactly. You know? yeah, yeah, Billy, Billy McQueen or Dougie Jones means nothing to you yet. <laughs> yet. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, uh, also... Kyle MacLachlan and Ethan Hawke mm. co-starred again in a movie uh, I'd love to talk about one day if you ever get to it. Hamlet. The oh. modern Hamlet. Oh, okay. Neither of us have seen it, yet, have seen it yet. But we yeah. know that gif of him in the blockbuster. Yeah, that's all I know of it. He's wearing like one of those beanies <laughs> yeah. that cover yeah. your ears. So so uh, because then Kyle MacLachlan appears in that movie with Ethan Hawke again in this movie, I believe it's entirely fair to say that the entire canon of William Shakespeare uh, exists in the Twin Peaks universe. Yeah, okay. that sounds right. It sounds about right. That, okay, that's the only point I wanted to make. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fun. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. When I watch, when I finally get around, was it on Showtime? What was it on? Showtime. Showtime. Yeah. Showtime. Okay, when I finally get around to watching season three, I will keep Rich and Love in mind. Yeah. If you like the original, I do want to say season three is both very satisfying and very challenging. Okay, oh, yeah. Wow. I've heard Just interesting stick, things do about stick it. Stick with it. Well, David Lynch, we, David Lynch, we love you. Come on the show. Yeah. Come on the show, David Lynch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, that's cool. Uh, Albert Finney, uh, great British actor, star of this movie, did a great job. He passed away uh, about two and a half months ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. And so rest in peace, Albert Finney. R.I.P. Yeah, I was I was not familiar with his his with him or his work. I didn't actually realize that he was British. So right, yeah, is he great? Yeah, no, he's he's great. Um, I I Murder on the Orient Express, mm-hmm. uh, a lot lots of movies. He, I mean, he he was legendary. Well, Aaron he, he Brockovich. Was, yeah, he was. Okay. Uh, was he Daddy Warbucks in Annie? He was. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh man, I love Annie. I love that movie so much. <laughs> Um, I routinely get, um, this isn't from the movie, but from the show, um, uh, we'd like to thank you, Herbert Hoover. I get that song stuck in my head all the time. Uh, (laughs) We'd like to thank (laughs) Thank you, you, Herbert Hoover. Hoover. Yeah. That's a good one. Anyway. The the song that I get stuck in my head the most for musicals uh is... I'm so excited. ...is from I, I don't know if it's explicitly musical but it's not a song that I should sing out loud oh which is I know Time for Hitler from the producer oh, it's very catchy it's so incredibly catchy in Germany so sometimes I like sort of hum it to myself I'm like I should stop yeah but if you know if you know the producers if you know you know if you know you know exactly it's a good one yeah I wanted to take a look at the two different trailers for this movie that I saw. Okay. Um, sure, yeah. So I think the two trailers tell very different stories. Oh, I love it when that happens. Uh, so I thought maybe we could just 
um, take a look. Maybe yeah. I can cast it on the TV. Sure, yeah. There's a note for you. He was gone when I got home. Dear Warren, it's time for me to start a second life. We have to find her. I don't think she wants to be found. You don't just walk out on a 27-year marriage. Wait! You Helen, what is all this about? She ditched us. You and I are abandoned children. If you don't tell me where you are, I'll call the police. All right, I won't. Promise. But where are you? You have to come back. No. But Pop would change if you do. I promise he would. I don't want him to change. I love him just the way he is. Mm. Good news, Lucille. I'm letting her stop thinking about it. Well, that is good news. Good for you. Mrs. Delmarsh, an old lady, cuts my hair. She invited me over to watch a movie. Don't you know what VCRs are for? Don't you know why people buy them? To watch X-rated movies. That's why. Bye. Uh, did you have fun last night? You were up pretty late. Oh, didn't realize. Mrs. Delmarsh, is that someone that um, he met recently? Trim those toenails before you do serious damage to somebody. You see how much this bothers you? You have to come back. Just tell me, has she come home? You didn't tell her that your mother was here. Oh, of course I did. Albert Finney, Jill Klingberg, Catherine Irby, Kyle MacLachlan. Husband's awfully neat. You ought to see his underwear drawer. Piper Laurie, Ethan Hawke, Susie Amos, and Alfrey Woodard, rich in love. Uh, you know what? This movie is great. Yeah. It's, it's got some issues, and it deals with some issues, but it's just, it's just fine. It's fun. It's a little vacation to the coast of South Carolina mm-hmm. with a nice family dealing with some stuff, and everything's all right in the end. Yeah, the that trailer definitely because when you when we brought this movie to you, we had already seen it, and uh-huh. you said what you thought it was going to be, which was like yeah. a romantic comedy, and I was yeah. like, no, it's not. But based on seeing that trailer, I was like, okay, I can see why you would think that because right. that music, which is absolutely not in the movie, yeah, like it's it's totally yeah. Okay, so this is the second version of the trailer. Um, fun note, this trailer was ripped from the VHS of The Cutting Edge. <laughs> so yeah. that's a fun figure skating movie. Ooh, that's really loud. Why is this one so much louder? sex going on with those two. Hope it doesn't unbalance the marriage. Okay, truth is we're gonna have a baby. That's why we got married. You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. But I thought that wasn't possible nowadays, you know, with all the, the technology. See what you're doing to me. How did you do it? 
seal. I'm sorry, I just don't get the picture. I punched a hole in the protection. How many times? Every time, for a month. When I left something to destiny, I mean, they were very small holes. Albert Finney, Jill Clayburgh, Kyle McLaughlin, Piper Laurie, Ethan Hawke. I've only recently begun to think of you girls as people. What did you think of us as before? Well, Pats, to tell you the truth. Rich in love. So they yeah, threw so in. Was Ethan Hawke not? Did they not mention Ethan Hawke in the first trailer? They I don't mentioned think, him for yeah, a second. Yeah, he's in both. Way yeah. more Kyle MacLachlan in this trailer. In the other trailer, yeah. you just see him take his sunglasses off and they say his name. Yeah. yeah well, I think the first trailer so they really. Did say Ethan Hawke's name in the first trailer. Yeah, they, okay, did. they did. Okay. But I think in the first trailer that we watched, it really frames the narrative being about the mother leaving and mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And the second trailer is just about the sister and Kyle MacLachlan yeah, and their relationship. True. So yeah. that's like they were creating like i i'm curious like you know so sometimes like um a movie will be made and they'll put out a trailer and it won't test very well and so then they'll create a second trailer that makes it seem like an almost entirely different movie or maybe they will have even changed the movie um to be more like the second trailer but um so i wonder which one of these came out first i can't really know my guess would be if that if what you're saying is true in this case Mm -hmm. my guess would be that the one we just watched Mm -hmm. that had the more uh, sexual undertones would be the one that they edited to be yeah grabs Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. that's possible um that's just a guess yeah yeah well, and oh, well, that's possible, yeah, because this one says now playing at a theater near you, and this was on a VHS, so this could have been a, a later one. Right. Mm. Yeah. Um. Also, that's weird that they would have a trailer on a VHS that's for now playing in theaters, but I guess that yeah. was a thing. It, there was two sections. There was, like, coming in theaters and then coming to VHS. Mm. Yeah, so. that is interesting. It's been a minute since mm. I've watched a VHS. VHS. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I was uh, at... Um, a medical facility yesterday and there was a, um, a TV in there and a VHS a VCR DVD player in the in the room I was in. I just thought that was interesting that they still had one. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I, VCRs are great because I feel like DVDs are often... Okay, so here's the thing. A lot of the movies I watched growing up we would get them from the library. Mm-hmm. So they had obviously been loved by many people before. Yeah, I did mm-hmm. that too. And um, I generally found that the VHSs would like run better than the CDs. Because I think that mm. since the VHSs, the tapes have like a cover on them. I think it's a little yeah. easier to They're scratch. They're safer. Easier to scratch a disc. To scratch a as much disc. as the tape does get weaker over time, yeah. the, just the fallibility of people scratching a thing is yeah, really yeah, more yeah. likely. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then and then it gets to the end. It says, "Please rewind." Mm-hmm. Yeah, be kind, rewind, right? Yeah. Kind, rewind, the Michelle yeah. Gondry movie. Yeah. So, who is the main character of this movie? I think it's Catherine Irby. Yeah, Because the trailer made it seem like Albert Finney was the first one, anyway. Yeah. Know, leaving him and all that. Yeah. I wonder who, if you break down the script, who gets the most dialogue. Hmm. Good question. Well, certainly not Joe Claver. She gets second yeah. billing in this movie, but she has a tiny part yeah right i don't know south carolina is the main character <laughs> <laughs> so true yeah yeah 
No, they the the way they set it up, like with a, yeah, I, I what you were saying about it feeling like kind of immersive and like the the scenery mm-hmm. and all that stuff and just the the feeling of like just sitting on the porch for long periods of time, like drinking a beer and like waiting for something to show up. Like that, that, that feels like pretty kind of immersive and, and interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I looked up some reviews of this movie that came out at the time. So I think kind of the most damning review of this movie was from Variety. Mm. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> yep. Uh, and, Oh, yeah. So, um, seems overly familiar and dramatically diffuse, is what they said. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were very positive about Catherine Irby. Mm. And that's the kind of the common thread through all of these reviews is that everyone was very, very positive about her. In Variety, the uh, reviewer who's not named here, just Variety staff, mm. um, said the unglamorized but compellingly watchable Irby commendably avoids punching obvious emotional buttons. Mm. Which I think is kind of... Yeah, I thought she did a good job. I've never really yeah. seen her act. Like, like, like outside of a procedural to, crime drama. Yeah, yeah. like in, in Criminal Intent, she does a great job, but like it's more... She sort of plays the straight man to like Vincent D'Onofrio's unhinged cop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who I love, you know, I love watching... Was she was she also with when Jeff Goldblum was doing Criminal Intent? It was mostly Julian Nichols with Jeff okay. Goldblum, okay. Um, but they might have had some episodes Some's together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Chris Noth was also oh, on yeah. that show, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I can't really remember who was the the timeline. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Roger Ebert gave this movie three out of four stars, which I think is very that's that's pretty mm-hmm. solid. I read yeah. the review. Uh, oh yeah, he seemed to think that. Uh, it was a little outlandish, mm-hmm. but likable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which I which think I would kind of would agree, agree with. with. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. like the, what you were saying earlier about how everyone just sort of gets a nice little bow at the end of their story, and mm-hmm. even though the tracks weren't necessarily going that way. Mm-hmm. Um, not only is Albert Finney not American, but uh, Bruce Beresford, who he's Australian, he's Australian, Australian writer. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I thought that was it felt really true to like the South, the American South, but it wasn't like made by. Yeah, they've got a handle on it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have another review? Um, Yes, I have one more from the L.A. Times. Okay. Los Angeles Times. Um, Peter Rayner. Peter Rayner. Yeah. Familiar to you? No, I'm just reading it. Okay, great. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's a plangent sweetness about the best parts of rich in love is how it starts. And, uh, yeah, it's this is also a pretty positive review. No, you know, star rating. But um, there are no villains in Rich in Love, and that's the key to its decency. Rich in Love doesn't go very deep. It's too lofty and idealized, but it presents a companionable and blameless view of family mm. turmoil that has its own small measure of truth. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, you know, I think I agree with all these reviews that it's not like, you know, totally realistic, but it's kind of a nice story to be in, and it has some, yeah. you know. It it definitely merit. is like a kind of movie that doesn't really get made anymore. Yeah, like. yeah. I think that the most um, it is kind of like like a melodrama. It has all that kind of format, that feeling. Um, I think the movie what was that movie? on Chesil Beach. Oh yeah. Recently, did you see that? No. Oh man. Okay, so it's That's like Saoirse Ronan. It's. Oh, she's it's great. Very, she she's great, amazing. Yeah. It's a very hard movie to watch, okay. but it um it's like the m- closest to a melodrama that I've seen in recent re- recent years. Um because it's just kind of like a situation. Huh. And but it's um 
but it's it's long it, it spans a very long period of time and i don't know there's just I, yeah anyway i would recommend it if you like if you long for the days of melodrama <laughs> i would recommend it it was very unusual i think i walked out of it feeling like it wasn't a movie that i had expected to see because it's not a kind of movie that actually gets made anymore yeah yeah i'd agree with that one of the points that I, I failed to make earlier that I want to make sure I get in under the wire is mm-hmm. that one of the things that lent uh, this movie its unique uh, tone and sort of comfortability that, you know, I could live in this movie or it's a movie of that era, uh, the score, the musical score. Yeah. As a pianist, as a songwriter myself, uh, uh, I pay close attention as a composer to film scores. It's something that I like. And for better or for worse, I sometimes focus on it. Uh, uh, when I ought to be just experiencing it. But in any case, uh, this movie was scored by Georges Delarue, a French composer. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, the last movie he did. He oh, passed wow. away. Yeah, it was uh, uh, in, in memoriam or whatever. I can't remember what the word oh, is. Oh, is it dedicated to? Dedicated to, to, to yeah. yeah. It was oh, dedicated okay. to. Oh, okay. yeah. So, so Georges Delarue, uh, you know, they call him the Mozart of, of French cinema. He did, you know, Anne of the Thousand Days, uh, Day wow. of the Dolphin, uh, Julia, The Little Romance. So many, so many great films. He won Cesar Awards, uh, Academy Awards. But um, yeah, no, he he uh, he made music that made this, you know, feel the way it felt, mm-hmm. and it was good. Yeah, it was great. Hard agree. <laughs> Smash that like button. Yeah. <laughs> like and subscribe. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Any, um, so, yeah, usually on the show what we do is we say the most Ethan Hawke line, but I have to say <laughs> I don't think there was a most Ethan Hawke line. Hmm. I think the closest it gets would be the uh, your idea of love is a total error. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Yes, yeah. I wrote that down. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Then that's what, right. Right after he says that, he says it's three hundred sixty degrees off, which <laughs> yeah. is funny. And then he he's talking about like sex, and he's like, not that I'm an expert or whatever, mm-hmm. which kind of fits in with a little bit of the earlier stuff that we'd seen, like some of the movies from before. Mystery date. Mystery date, where he's like, kind of like, eh, I don't know what I'm doing, yeah. you know. So there's that. So I think I think that scene is probably the most mm-hmm. of what we've seen so far. Yeah. I'm kind of excited to see Ethan Hawke um, move out of high school in movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I really liked, I really, the long, the further we get from it, the more I think fondly on A Midnight Clear, which is a movie yeah. where he was in World War II, and mm. he's, you know, like, yeah, I, I really liked that movie. Yeah, and that I'm was really good. looking forward to more adult Ethan Hawke. Yeah. I think this is a really interesting project you two are doing, and I wanted to thank you again for having me, and I yeah. look forward to whatever conclusions you come to and things you learn. Not just about Ethan Hawke, but maybe about acting and cinema and who knows what else. So yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm excited too, and I think that like kind of every week we kind of we shift our view of Ethan Hawke as (laughs) well as um, you know, uh, and like learn more about I don't know the intertext of you know I don't know the thread of his movies and yeah, yeah. yeah. But so far, yeah, a common thread has been uh, slightly. Uh, counter-cultural high school student. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, he has that all-American streak, but he's also, like, not one of the popular kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that was the same with, like, Mystery Day. We Explorers. also had... Explorers. We also had... Well, he was a little younger than high school mm-hmm. there, but yeah, you get the point. Yeah. And we also had that with um, Dead Poet Society. Society. A quiet one. And yeah. we had that with... Uh, I feel like we had maybe another one where he... Oh, with uh, Waterland. Oh, yeah. And Dad, Dad, he's in college, but, like, yeah, but he's, he's still he, very didn't young. He go to he's, San, like, a freshman. Yeah, he went to UC yeah. Santa Cruz, <laughs> just, just like us. Bananas yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, how do we feel that this falls? I, how Did you see other Ethan Hawke movies from that we've maybe already talked about? So Dead Poets Society. Well, I've seen that movie for sure yeah. many times over the years. Um, have you seen White Fang? No. Okay, yeah. And I don't think the other ones are kind yeah, of... Yeah, not as, not as well known. Yeah. Uh, Explorers was the first one. And then White Fang. Um, and then Mystery Date. And then Midnight Clear. And then Waterland and Rich yeah. in Love. So those are the movies he's made so far. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... Well, how do you feel it stands up against Dead Poets Society, then? That's uh, well, <laughs> a tough he, question. Well, he, he plays the polar opposite type the high school <laughs> character, whereas he was yeah. sort of the shy uh, literary kid with hidden talents in Dead Poets Society. He is, uh, in this movie, the overt um, jock-type guy. But in both, he has that sensitivity that Ethan Hawke plays so well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. that is there just below the surface of whatever Elsie is expressing um, an earnestness and so I see some similarities between the two characters they're just coping yeah. with their situations mm-hmm. in different ways um, and uh, you know he's got range the kid's got range <laughs> sure does. yeah I think with Dead Poets I think with this movie with Dead Poets Society I think he used that sensitivity that you're talking about to like to a sort of positive effect as a character mm-hmm. right like the character uses sensitivity to a positive effect where he's like you know oh captain my captain he like tries mm-hmm. to be sensitive to others in this movie he's sensitive to himself in a way like he's mm-hmm. like he he uses that sensitivity to get defensive basically yeah and he lashes out on her and it's like oh don't talk to me again and he leaves basically so mm-hmm. i think you i think to, to to your point of like there's there's similar characteristics to both characters except one of them expresses it in a more positive way than the other. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, everyone in Rich in Love is coping with something uh, to deal with uh, a factor in their life that is out of their control. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and they all cope with it in different ways. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, for Ethan Hawke's character here, it's uh, pursuing sex, being yeah. athletic, and eating chicken wings. Yeah. Yeah, and coaching a losing little Coaching a losing, yeah. 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 Okay, well, any final thoughts? Well, I've got to get to my hawk fact. Oh, yeah, your hawk fact. Yeah. Hawk fact. Time yeah. for hawk fact. Oh, oh, did that we do? Kaka! 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 Very impressive. Yeah. Um, that was good. I kept it short and sweet because Ethan Hawk makes a whole lot of movies, and I'm going to have to start like getting books from the library about hawks. Yeah. I'm going to run out of facts at some mm-hmm. point. But um, So I kept this one short and sweet. Uh, since this is a movie about families, about groups of people getting along together, I wanted to know uh, about hawks in groups. Mm. And what I found was that a group of hawks is called a cast. Oh. Much like this movie like has a podcast. Yes. Yeah. 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 You know, an ensemble cast. An ensemble cast, movie exactly. South Carolina. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that was a really fun hawk fact. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. I spent hours researching. Great. I went to Quora. <laughs> Quora. I went to Quora. No, no, I, I did some, uh, uh, you know, some more uh, uh, reputable sources that I consulted as well. Wikipedia? But when, yeah. Well, yeah, sure. But I went to some other places too. Uh-huh. And when I was on Quora reading about hot facts. What is Quora? I mean, like I know what like it is, but like, what Jeeves is it? Yahoo questions. Yeah. yeah. Quora. Yeah. I joined it years ago. I keep getting their fucking emails. Probably yeah, I sometimes go there when I have questions about things. But I went, I, so there was a, que- there, that was literally the question, like, what is a group of hawks called? And then someone commented, like a really snarky comment. They're like, there's a thing called Google. 
you could look it up yourself. And it's like, isn't that kind of what they're doing? They're <laughs> looking it up themselves. That's funny. They're asking the community. The internet, yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, it's called cast. So, yeah. Okay, could have done that without the sass. Yeah. So anonymous Quora user, mm. you've been added. Come yeah. on the show. <laughs> Come on the show. Defend yourself. Yeah. Defend yourself. Yeah. If you have more hawk facts, yeah. we could love to get a hawk expert on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that would be great. That would be cool, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think that... Um, just about does it, right? Yeah. Um, uh, what's Jonathan? Where can people find you, and what uh, is the thing you're enjoying in culture that outside of Ethan Hawke? <laughs> <laughs> outside of Ethan Hawke and yeah. Thirty Rock, which I've mentioned and Thirty Rock, you've times. mentioned Thirty Rock like every every week. single episode. I know. Well, it's because I started the rewatch when we started this podcast. So mm-hmm. uh, in, October. <laughs> in October. In October. I'm just we kidding. Yeah, we just started posting episodes in May, but we oh, did, did start, start the show in October. It was a slow. It says I missed a video just call kidding. from you. From me? From you, yeah. Oh, I, I accidentally hit video Harper call Thompson. yesterday, probably. I, th- I was worried that I was accidentally video calling someone. Oh. Which would be terrible, and then they would just be getting a live stream of this podcast. That would be funny. Be so bad. Yeah. We would have them on the show. Um, what have I been enjoying? Been uh, well, digging, digging the new Vampire Weekend album? Oh. Oh, yeah. 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 It's good. Listen yeah, they were on KCRW yesterday. Yeah, I listened live to them. with Jason Bentley. That was fun. Jason Bentley, come on the show. Jason, yeah, Jason Bentley, come on the show. Uh, what else have I been? I'm listening sure he's to? met Ethan Hawke. If anyone in this world has met Ethan Hawke, it would be Jason Bentley. <laughs> sure, probably. I could see. I, I could, could see, see Jason that. Bentley like, I don't know, like some screening of an Ethan Hawke movie in LA, and Jason Bentley is the opening DJ. Or I could see. <laughs> I could just tracks. see Ethan Hawke going on. Um, wait. I was listening to KSRW, and he was on KSRW. Oh, he was? Yeah. Oh, what it was was they were doing their pledge drive. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, man, you got to donate to KSRW. That's my god-awful <laughs> Ethan <laughs> Hawke impression. I, yeah, I'm kind of working on my Ethan yeah, Hawke impression, yeah. too. But that's it. It has a, it's it's, this, it's there's a sort of the, wide-eyed with like wonder a, to a it. a rotating of my body. <laughs> like, hey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but then it gets a little, like, walk-in. Every yeah. every impression turns into Christopher Walken and if you do point. it long yeah. enough. Yeah. yeah, it's like every every, every internet debate uh, ends in Hitler. Every yeah. uh, impression ends, ends in, in Christopher Walken. Walken. Yeah. Um, yeah. So okay. the new Vampire Weekend album. Mm-hmm. Uh, any. And where know. can where can people find you? Oh, on the Instagram <laughs> at John Zavaleta. Uh huh. Great. Got it. Um, Barton, do you have any plugs, any things coming up, or and also things you're enjoying, and where can people find you? Okay, Uh, I'll take that in reverse order, please. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Uh, So uh, you can find me on Instagram at BRTN Lewis, or if you just search for my name, Barton, B A R T O N Lewis, L A W I S, that will also come up as BRTN Lewis. Um, Things I'm enjoying right now. Also, the Vampire Weekend album. I also like the new Pedro the Lion album that came out a little while ago, and I'm digging the Bob Mold Sunshine Rock. But in terms of culture that I'm actively consuming fervently right now, I've got to say it's NBC's The Blacklist on Netflix. I have fallen head over heels for James Spader's characterization of this guy, Raymond Reddington, this international criminal who turns himself into the FBI and the ever-changing power dynamics and relations between people uh, who may or may not be related. Um, (laughs) I love it. I don't know why I love it. I don't usually go for this kind of thing, but Uh just something about it. I mean, James Spader makes the show. I mean, everyone in the show is great. Yeah, he's great. But he's, yeah. 
Yeah, I've seen the first season, and my parents watch it, like, you know, every week. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yesterday my dad was just talking about it for, like, an hour. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I, yeah, Blacklist, the Blacklist came up recently in conversation, sort of accidentally, because I was talking about the, like, the, um, the project, basically, the Blacklist, where they, you mm. know, oh, producing, yeah. like, unproduced scripts or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I was talking about that, and then... I was talking with Gavin Jorge, and they're like, "Oh, you mean the show with James Spader?" I was like, "No, not that. <laughs> different, different blacklist." Yeah, so, yeah, the guy. Yeah, who's that guy that does the blacklist? He had uh, a really good TED talk. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. Where he was just talking about making that. Anyway. Oh yeah, okay. I've got I've got some dates coming up. I'm not sure when this episode is going to come out. Oh, it's going to come out in like six weeks. Okay, well then, both <laughs> of my upcoming dates that I'm going to mention are already going to have passed. But you can find me, uh, I do have a standing show, it's a musical sketch variety show, at the Pack Theater in Hollywood, uh, 6470 Santa Monica Boulevard. Well, I don't know why I said that, you can Google it. <laughs> it's the Pack Theater. Santa Monica Boulevard between Wilcox and Cole, it's the yellow door. No, no. No. People who listen to the show are just furiously <laughs> taking notes yeah. about everything you say. They... But, they Wait with bated breath, breath yeah. for addresses, especially. <laughs> yeah. So every fourth Thursday, uh, not to ruin the illusion, the one coming up right now is June 27th. I guess the one available after this comes out will be July 25th. I do a musical sketch variety show in which I sing, I act, I write, I play the piano. It's called Some Sort of Show. It's produced by Jonathan Cho. Nick Pupo is often always involved. And uh, uh, Jonathan Cho is a joy to work with, and I enjoy putting on silly sketches every month. Often sketches based, well, our, our opening number is always an opening number for an imagined musical that ha- of a movie that has not been made into a musical. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Perhaps next month it'll be Rich in Love, the musical. Wow, <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, we went we, and saw we your show saw, yeah, and it uh, was, last um, week. Oh, that, yeah. That's yeah right. was, I, what was it? Um, I am... No. Oh, I'm I Legend. Am, I am Legend. Yeah. yeah, that was yeah. that was yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That, that was a funny show. It was sort of thrown together last minute. We had some stand-up acts and things, but it was uh, it was a fun time. Yeah, and um, you had a great bit about insurance. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you like putting all your money into pockets of uh, corporations where you'll never see it again? Well, then I I got the service for you in the insurance. Um, yes, yeah, so that's what I've got coming up. I'm also doing a show on the tw- 22nd of June, which is irrelevant to this podcast, but I'm telling you two because you're sitting here. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's a show called Book Report, where every month they pick a book that we probably will have all read as kids. Mm-hmm. And this month it's Matilda. Oh, oh fun. fun. And so they have an open call for comedy sketches. Anybody who wants to write a sketch based on Matilda will submit it. Mm-hmm. They'll comb through the submissions for the best ones and then cast people in it. And wow. I've thrown my name in the hat to be cast in people's sketches. I may also write one. But so I'm going to be in a sketch show uh, about the musical, uh, not musical. Well, it was a musical. Matilda. There is a musical. Tim Minchin yeah. did it, right? Yeah, I don't know if you. Uh, oh, did he? I think Tim Minchin. Oh, okay. I think. I haven't. I actually haven't yeah. seen or listened to it except for one song. Our friend Torhe, who Jonathan yeah. mentioned, is really into Matilda because it's like yeah. the only musical he's ever seen, so he loved it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, last thing, every Wednesday, you can catch me at the Improv Space uh, from uh, 9 p.m. to 11 or whenever we get tired, doing some improvisational wow. comedy jams. Fun. Is is the Matilda thing at the Pack Theater or is that? That's correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and it's a standing show called Book Report. Mm-hmm. Uh, every month it's a different book. Mm-hmm. Right. You guys just did Hatchet, right? We just did Hatchet, yeah. and then now it's Matilda, and then who knows? The July one will be on the twenty seventh, and that's at ten p.m. Cool. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you two write comedy sketches, but you know, it's a bit one. <laughs> he should. Yeah. He's try. You strike yeah. me as somebody who might be able to do that. He's he's a writer. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Write, yeah. write like a three or four page sketch based on Matilda or something. You should do it. He's working on a, he's writing a pilot right now <laughs> called uh, Mike Johnson, who loves his mom, based on the, the, there was a contestant on The Bachelorette this season named yeah. Mike Johnson, and he loves his mom. I think that's delightful. Yeah. I, I think I think he's got legs. Yeah. No, I think it's going to be great. I can't wait to read it. We just have to start it. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be great. Um, I'm Harper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Um, you can find me on Instagram at harpingabout. Um, and in other places, I have an account on Critiker, which no one uses. Critiker is, um, like, most people use Letterboxd. But I use Critiker, which is like basically a place that was easy for me to store every movie I'd ever seen because I was working on this project where I was trying to like do my top 100 movies um, and have other people do it. But and then I got four submissions and it was just too much work for people to think of 100 movies. So but anyway, I made a list of almost 1300 movies that I've seen in my life and I ranked them all. So you can find me on Critiker at Harping About, where you can see all 1,300 movies ranked. I know, I have a problem. Um, <laughs> anyway, I've been enjoying... Oh, I watched Good Omens on Amazon Prime, a Prime original. Um, yeah, that was really good. I think that Michael Sheen and David Tennant have perfect chemistry. Um, it was very... Yeah, it was very fun to watch them. Like, they're, they're in love. They're in love. That's great. So, also, it's the end of the world, and there's angels and demons and all that good stuff. Neil Gaiman, Terry Pratchett. Yeah. Did, did the two of them write it? Neil, no, yeah, Neil they wrote the book. They wrote the book. Yeah, yeah, and so this was, I don't know how involved they were in this, yeah. but there's a little Easter egg where there's a security guard who's reading a Neil Gaiman book. So, oh, huh. You know, they were definitely called out, at least. Shout out. Um, yeah. So, and oh, yeah, Hawkeyes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hawkeyes Pod. Um, I'm still working on that website. This is six months, six weeks from now, so hopefully I've gotten it together by then. Um, and yeah, you can listen to us wherever you find podcasts. If right now on Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and I think a lot of places use wow. the Apple Podcast listing to get their podcast. So mm. probably everywhere, Overcast, whatever. Mm. Anyway, so listen, um, we love that rate and review on Apple Podcasts yeah. because that's really ha- the best way um, for us to get heard. Mm. Um, yeah. Anyway, well, thanks so much for joining us, Barton. Yeah. It's a pleasure to be it's here. Great. Oh, I forgot. Uh, my parents say hi. Oh, <laughs> um, my mom once got your autograph at uh, um, a French night at high school. I'm not going to oh say where we went to high school, but we went yeah. to high school together. We didn't we mention did. that. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So um, oh. my mom. At, we did like a French cabaret yeah, show. Yeah, we did that, a French yeah. cabaret. It's all, it's all, uh, Edith Piaf. I did. Uh, did I do Non Je, uh, Je Ne Regrette Rien? I think so. Or did I do. I didn't do Le Vie en No, I don't think uh, so. I did. Dun, 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 right? Yeah. Yeah, I think you did that Oh, that's then. so funny. Yeah, well, hello so... hello to, to your yeah, new parents. They what? were very excited about this. Wow. Well, uh, they remember yeah. you fondly. It's so nice. Those nights, yeah. Yeah, so it always comes back around to French. Um, and Julie Delpy, which was my way yeah, into Ethan Hawke. In. And yeah. now here's our way out. Yeah, here's our <laughs> way out. Right. All right. Hello well, to our listeners in France. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we don't have any of those yet, but we encourage it. Yeah, yeah. We have one listener in Argentina. Anyway, I'm going to end the show now. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening. Uh, see you next week where we're talking about Alive, the cool. 1993 film where uh, a group of young soccer players, I believe, crash in a plane and eat each other. 
Yikes. So fun. Spoiler alert. Uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, all right. See you then. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. This episode was produced by Harper Thompson and myself, Jonathan Zavaleta. It was edited by Harper Thompson, and our intro music, Hawk Song, is written and recorded by Connor Vance.